And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation that I'm hoping helps your business grow. All right, people, we're back. It's part three of four out of our e-commerce series. And today we're going to talk about organizing your e-commerce inventory. Look, I'm going to be honest. You're going to look at the title of this episode. It's not full of fireworks and green flags and gold trophies, but it kind of is because you're not going to get to the finish line. You're not going to win that trophy if you don't have a few simple things right in your business. Now, before we get too far into that, remember, this is part of a four-part series. Now, in part one, we talked about the history and evolution of e-commerce, and that probably could have been its own four-part series, so it's nice and condensed, but, you know, the the internet and the history of e-commerce, it's, it's not as long, it's not as deep as a lot of people think it is. We moved into the accounting uh, accounting for e-commerce Today, we're talking about how to manage your e-commerce inventory, and in the thrilling conclusion, we'll talk about leadership skills for e-commerce teams. Now, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Clarinity, and Clarinity solves the most complex problems in e-commerce through cloud-based inventory management and operations optimization. They've also been kind enough to sponsor this entire series because the solutions that they provide, well, they have a lot to do with you if you're in e-commerce. Now, and this isn't usually the case because the sponsor of today's episode is also our guest. So we have Conrad, Conrad Rowletter. Con, Conrad's the founder of Clarinity, and you've heard us talk a lot about him. Scroll down, click the show notes. You can learn more about them. And I have a feeling he's going to tell us a little bit about Clarinity as well. Conrad, welcome to Startup Hustle. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think you hit it off right, which is just the, like we're our goal here is to help e-commerce clients and help them with inventory. Mostly that's because what we're finding is that inventory is really kind of that pinnacle of, of all the pieces of your business. When you talk about what's happening in marketing, when you talk about what's happening on the ground in your warehouse, when you talk about now I need to get my accounting and how does all this come together with the people? You know, we like to say people, process, technology. We want to be right in the middle of those three bubbles. You know, yeah, that's, and, that's really what it and, takes to get cloud inventory done well. So, yeah, right. And and you know, there's a there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into that. We're going to get into that, but sure. I think before we get too far, let's talk a little bit about what's your backstory. You know, as the founder of Clarinity, and and. Uh, you know, what brought you to want to be passionate about solving problems with in the e-commerce industry? Sure, sure. Well, I, I think first and foremost, it's totally worth saying that e-commerce is a small world and they're, you know, it's somewhat incestuous in that regard. Um, full disclosure, you know, everyone has heard from Scott and about the e-commerce evolution. And uh, I actually used to work for Catching Clouds. I was hired on as their tech guy. And my job at the time was to really help 
clients solve the cost of goods sold problem. So I was there running spreadsheets for, you know, a couple dozen clients a month and trying to help everyone figure out how do we get to this effective accounting information? And during that time, that's when I was able to sit back and just observe as clients of, of various different sizes and growth stages, as they went through this challenge of saying, how do I get my hands around my, my inventory and my operations? And so during that time, I was able to sit back and say, cool, it seems like guys need some more help here, that e-commerce clients are always strapped. They're strapped for cash. They're strapped for time. They're always needing a little extra help somewhere and someone who's got a lot of expertise in this area. Because of my experience in helping calculate cost of goods sold, I had the opportunity to be able to sit back and see the inside of, of almost 30 separate cloud inventory platforms and say, how does each one of these guys do it? And why are they different? And why do some clients succeed and some clients fail on various platforms? So that's just the, the, the short story of how we said, look, um, we really need to go ahead and establish ourselves as those experts because we have skill sets and tools here that not a lot of other teams can bring together. We'd like to offer that as a service and, and help e-commerce companies really continue to evolve. So here we are a couple of years later. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a funny story that oh, I'm, I'm, I probably have told at some point over 400 episodes, but it has to do with, with understanding how things work. And it's, uh, you know, Thomas Edison uh, had invented some electric generators and one of them was connected to Niagara Falls. And uh, at some point, something broke and they couldn't fix it. So they call him in and he, he arrives and there's engineers. They're on top of this thing. They're on the side of it. They're underneath it. Someone's looking at like the owner's manual or something. Sure. And and no one can figure out how to get this thing started. So you know, he walks up and he goes, all right, everybody, get out of the way. Get out of the way. And he walks over to, the, to, to, the, to, to a toolbox and he picks up a big ball-peen hammer and he kind of walks around to the side. He looks underneath it and he reaches up, he touches something, and then he winds up and he just smacks this thing with the hammer and it starts right up. <laughs> sure. Now, the next the next day, he sends the city of Niagara a bill for $10,000. Then it said repairing generator. And sure. so they sent it, that was it. And they sent it back and they asked for some, they asked for, for him to list the line items associated with this $10,000 invoice. So he did, he sent the, he sent the bill back. He said, hitting generator with hammer $1, knowing where to hit generator with hammer $9,999. And the, but the thing is, is, and that, that's a, that's a, a, a prudent story because sometimes knowing where to hit it with the hammer is the most valuable part of, of so much when it comes to being an entrepreneur and getting set up. And I've, I've talked about this in the other episodes because, you know, I've worked with, I've, I've had an e-commerce business. I've worked with several, I've done yeah. a lot of different stuff. And like, there's just so many things that you need to do. And, and there's so many, there's so many potential things to integrate, to set up, to consider, like even in uh, and you know, there's probably someone that was listening <laughs> to episode two and uh, immediately called an accountant afterward because right. like it's like just in that category alone and that's not even related to the tech and all that other stuff uh you know there's so many yeah. things to keep up with and so many things to understand now when it comes to your inventory i mean that's your money and uh, you gotta mm -hmm. you gotta you know keep in mind that uh, and there's a lot of things and we'll, we'll get into some of that too but it, it, 
it kind of shocks me because I've, I've have a history. At one point I managed a, a chain of, uh, of musical instrument retail stores. And I was one of, I managed a section of 17 different stores and, Oh man, uh, to say that inventory was under control was probably not <laughs> accurate. Sure. Uh, now I worked, yeah. I worked in pianos and keyboards. Those were a lot easier to, it's hard to lose a grand piano, Sure. but the other side of the store, which had guitars, picks, strings, things like that. Oh man, that, that was a freaking nightmare. And at one point the company that I worked for got acquired by a larger chain and sheet music was something that we sold there. And now the thing was, is they realized they had a quarter million SKUs company-wide. Mm-hmm. And it came time to do inventory. And they actually deemed that, and this was a smart move. They deemed that they didn't want to sell this product anymore. And it would be way more expensive to inventory it than it would to just sell it by the pound. So it was there the one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. They're literally selling sheet music by the pound. And wow. Uh, that was just to get rid of it, but it was it was a you know it was a, a early in my career that was a, a, a realization of what can happen when inventory gets really broad and really wide. And you think about two hundred and fifty thousand SKUs, and SKU mm-hmm. stands for stock keeping unit, mm-hmm. and that that particular you know like if you have to count a quarter million of anything, the value of that um, was you know the value of that was far higher than, or the cost of that was far higher than the value of the inventory. So, right. you know, with what, you know, everything's in the cloud now. So can you start by giving us a, a like, what is a cloud inventory system? Yeah. Yeah. And and I think, you know, I, I don't want to call back too much to episode one, but basically there's been evolution in our sales channels as much as there's been evolution in our backend you know, databases and structures. So case in point, one of the big names for the last 10 years has been Fishbowl. And they they offered a great cloud inventory. It was not cloud-based, but it is an inventory management system. You had to have the servers at your at your installation, you know, and basically if your server went down locally because someone unplugged it, that was that. So to your point, like what is cloud? Essentially, that's where we said, hey, let's go to, you know, the AWS servers or the Google servers or whatever cloud-based server architecture we can. And let's figure out how to architect these solutions so that way they can interact across the Internet instead of across local networks. So, you know, this, this is all kind of like the geeky computer software stuff. But what we are finding is that this makes a huge difference, that you can now have disparate inventory pools. You can have people in other states and you can talk more fluidly about inventory without having to have a guy on staff who knows how to, you know, configure hardware and, and ports and, you know, networking and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I don't know. Do do you feel like that answers the question or? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, it's part, you know, it's funny because with technology and the the growth of the internet and stuff, it's uh, the layman or someone who's not a quote, air quotes here, tech person uh, should feel relieved because what you just mentioned, you're talking about an on-site server. Okay, well, that's our immediately problematic um, for a number of different reasons that that many people don't think about. And the first, sometimes the first one is just general updates, 
for the software and to help the hardware run. And another thing too is, and I, I'm old enough to remember the on-site servers like everywhere, sure. often like in a cage, sometimes just like sitting like on a desk or something and, and people not even realizing like that's the heart like on many, like on many moments, that is literally the heart, like the organ, the heart, yeah. like not just figurative. If that thing stops running, so does everything else. And, you know, there was this always like you mentioned, like the IT guy and or or some company that would have to do it. And the thing was, it was, it was just never a fast solution. So the server would go down and and, you know, next thing you know, you've got you've got an entire store that cannot transact can't exactly. do business and exactly. um and then the the sophistication of computing and the internet has really gone really fast and i remember at, at first you know the the these old like dos based systems that you're like and, and it was funny because as a manager they were they were infuriating because you know you'd get a new employee and you'd be like well why does this person know how to use register well we're trying to train them okay how long does that take well well it takes a while well show me why well, because when you go here, you have to hit F5 to get to this other screen. And I'm immediately on step one going, how would I have ever known that? Exactly. And there was just so much stuff. And, you know, the connectivity of different things has, has been a challenge. And that's what's been kind of fun and interesting about the Internet and software over the last five years, especially, is mm -hmm. the ease and speed at which integrations can occur on some levels. But at the same time, you have to have some, it does, they don't always solve the, the issue of like, well, I want to say the strategy behind it and the implementation, you know, sure. software and hardware are tools to help us be better at what we do as people. They're not, uh, well, in most cases, they're not sophisticated enough to help us solve the problems like, hey, you do still need to receive inventory into the system. And do a couple other things, and then that's what I want to want to talk about is just like some of the basic stuff. And when it comes to when it comes to your own inventory, sure, uh, it, it's either coming in because you're buying it, or you could be building it, correct, and then you sell it. So you know what what are some of the basics that that we need to get into when it comes to effectively managing or organizing our e-commerce yeah. inventory. Yeah, well, and, and and let's start with some name dropping here, just so that way people kind of get an idea of like, what are we talking about? I mentioned Fishbowl. Uh, some of the other big names that are cloud-based that we like to work with are things like Deer Systems, Unleashed Software, Locate Inventory, Skubana, Stitch Labs. Like these are the names you guys will see when you go to Google and you're like, cloud inventory, What what is it? Um, there, there's something that is common amongst all of these, which is that, as Matt said, you know, like you got to start with a purchase order. Okay. Sometimes they even have different names for, for, for what these things are, but the industry, the accounting industry, especially has always said, look, that's what we call a purchase order. This is where you take record of the fact that you want to buy a hundred widgets at this price from that vendor. Right. And it's, it's just that simple to start. You got to get it written down. And this is one of those things that we recognize is always the missing piece if a client like hasn't really started. Like this is one of the big missing pieces is they're probably not writing down their, their, uh, their purchase orders. What they're probably doing is calling up the vendor saying, hey, can you send me this? And they go, great. And then they get an invoice into their inbox and then forward that on to their accountant and say, let the accountant figure that out. Okay, 
we got some things we could talk about there. But the point is, you got to get this written down because we also want to do some double checks against all this stuff. What did you actually receive? What were you actually billed versus what did you intend to purchase well before that, right? So there's a whole bubble called purchase orders that we focus on very heavily. Um, another huge piece is just ca like categorizing and cataloging, hence the SKU catalog, just getting a list of all the products that you guys have said, we as a company agree to sell, <laughs> procure and sell these products. Y you got to get that written down somewhere. And sometimes what we're recognizing, especially if people build their own product, they might have the products that they sell listed somewhere in a database. It's on Shopify, it's on Amazon, but they haven't really taken the time to write down all the 7,000 little pieces that they need to build their final products, right? So these are just examples of, of things that we tackle when we talk about your, your SKU catalog and listing your products and getting that all written down. And then finally is, cool, what are you going to go do out in your warehouse? Whether you own the warehouse or whether that's someone else's, you know, 3PL, third-party logistics, that's a vendor helping you fulfill your product. There's a lot to parse through about, cool, now we have product in our warehouse how the heck do we get it out the door? What's the best way for us? There's not a single answer to any one of these buckets here, you know? So there, there's a lot of wins and losses made at the point of the purchase order. And, you know, I, I mentioned that, that having worked at retail, I, I went to work for a, a, a ho the wholesale side after that, and then later had an e-commerce business. So I got a, a pretty, uh, a well rounded view of the purchase order. I mean, most vendors won't even aren't even going to fulfill your order without a purchase order. That's because they they need it too. Mm -hmm. And it's the proof that you actually ordered it. Now, right. one of the things is and you mentioned like, okay, here comes my per I, I phone in an order. And here comes my invoice to my inbox and you send it to someone else that should that will quote do it later. Yeah, uh, that's, that's immediately <laughs> flawed. Because uh, the problem is, is, you know, without and in the rules that I've always had at my businesses is the, you know, the moment of pur a purchase order needs to be created within the system that tracks it. Mm -hmm. And it needs to be done the moment that you've requested it or done something with it, because otherwise it's real easy to forget. And, and now it's one thing if you're a, if you're a business that just like orders one thing now at, mm -hmm. at all the businesses I mentioned on some days I would have hundreds of purchase orders. So, mm -hmm. uh, and then there are some people that sell things as uh, you know, that, that are somewhat virtual and that the last of the third of my businesses, which was uh, event ticketing. I mean, we could like, if we didn't write, if we didn't track the purchase order right away, we could forget we even ordered it. And then that's a PDF somewhere like in a Ticketmaster account or something. And you could just literally, we've, you know, if we lost purchase orders, we would, could be out hundreds or thousands of dollars and, and not even know it until we went to go reconcile our credit cards. Now, mm -hmm. you know, as we mentioned today, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Clarinity, and that happens to be Conrad's company. And, you know, if you need to get a handle on your company's growth, well, he can help you. And so can Clarinity. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff, as we mentioned, that goes into running a, a successful e-commerce business. And some of it, too, is even just like what we're talking about is creating some SOPs or some standard operating procedures. Now, that's something you help clients with, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's kind of an interesting story because my, my longer tail background is... You know, lots of various different jobs, um, things like rural 
uh, America, which is where I grew up. But then eventually, uh, chemical engineering is actually my my studied background in college. And through that, I got to really see how engineers sort of break down the world, you know, compartmentalize it. And then, like we said, write a standard operating procedure that says, cool, here's how we want to make this process repeatable. And this is what it means to be able to say this is a scalable process. So, yeah, we we will basically the Clarinity process is we help you guys make the smarter decisions and understand the nuances between all the software will get you implemented. And then we say, cool, now that you guys are implemented, here's the way your team is using it. Let's help you guys write some good SOPs that everyone can really get their hands on and say, yes, like we all see this the same way. We all do the work the same way. And we understand the value to each step along the way. And it's not just a laundry list of things that you have to slug through, you know? So when it, when it comes to creating SOPs at a new, at a newer, newer business, I, as I, uh, continue to open businesses and, mm-hmm. and exit or, or start them. Uh, I, I've gained an appreciation for that over the years. Now, my current business, Full Scale, grew to nearly 200 employees in two years. And I'll tell you what, we started right away, like literally like right away with SOP and everything. And I'll tell you what, if we hadn't have done that, it would have been, it could have been a real train wreck. And that yeah. was, that was, uh, I did that because based off, an experience I talked about in episode two with Brittany, because at one point, uh, when my, my event ticket business had grown so quickly, uh, I had created such a ball of rubber bands when it came to purchase orders, all of it, sure. all of it, sure. that we basically had to shut the business down for two weeks at one point to like, say like, Hey, like we're moving. We have to, well, we had to stop buying stuff. Uh, we, uh, some of our stuff was still for sale, but we had to stop to untangle that knot. And, it was painful, man, because it, it was we missed a lot of opportunity and it was and, you know, now sometimes you can't avoid that. But, you know, that's that's the the whole purpose of this series is to try to give you a little bit of insight. Now, a lot of this stuff, look, it's not sexy. It doesn't sound like, oh, well, you sold your company for one hundred and fifty million dollars and stuff like that. But here's the thing. You're never going to get an opportunity to sell your company for one hundred and fifty million dollars if it's a freaking train wreck. And, you know, there's just so many things that, and, and the, not having your accounting together, having all of that, your inventory management, all that stuff is all interconnected. And the, the issue that exists, if that doesn't occur is, well, A, you're really in a risky situation, but you're going to limit your ability to do things like get loans, uh, possibly create partnerships. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you talk about Amazon being a huge part, you talk about, uh, you know, third party logistics and stuff like that. I mean, on some levels, you get vetted as a business as you get big as to whether or not you're going to be able to handle the relationship that you're seeking. And if it and and look, these people that and, you know, Conrad, you mentioned, you know, having uh, getting an eagle eye view into like 30 different systems and 30 different things. And 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 that's the, that. But the thing is, is there's I'm willing to bet that 80 percent of the process of all of that was very vanilla and people take different twists on it. But it, but the thing I mean, my point here is, is if you don't get that stuff right. And you ever, and anyone, anyone ever wants to come in and look at it. And that's what mm-hmm. has something to do with whether or not you're getting a loan, a, a, a lease, uh, any or uh, acquisition, or in some cases, a huge partnership, they know, cause they can look, they're like, Oh, Whoa. You know, and you mentioned uh, figuring cost of goods, like, well, that's different, you know, like, well, shouldn't that just be the purchase price of the, of the inventory? No, 
I mean, it depends on how you want to look at it. Like, cause there's people that receive it, there's shipping costs, there's storage. There's like a whole lot of different things. So, mm-hmm. you know, now obviously, so we've talked about purchasing stuff and you mentioned, you know, where warehouse logistics, we don't even have enough time on that, oh, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, there's, there's so much that has to do with that. And, you know, it's like, I mean, I, you know, Amazon's gotten is very well publicized for their warehouse efficiency. And they look at things like, okay, is this employee taking two extra steps? And you're like, Oh, that doesn't seem like a big deal. But if you have a million employees, and every action is two extra steps and they do that action 200 times a day, then the value of all those steps it would probably run circles around the world. So mm-hmm. were there any, any, is there anything in, uh, that Clarinity regularly sees or helps clients fix when it comes to warehouse stuff? Yeah. I mean, I, I think part of it is understanding that, uh, you know, we deal with a, a really wide breadth of clients and it's, it's so wide that we've kind of had to like chunk them out into like groups. And we say, Hey, there's really a progression an evolution between zero, you know, and a hundred plus million dollars a year, top line revenue. So, so what we really try and do is like sort of break it down and say, which of seven growth stages are you guys in? Let's examine it from that perspective first. So, so sometimes it's just as simple as, Hey, we don't have SKUs on any of our products at all. Maybe we're doing stuff in the warehouse, but we're not using SKUs. We're not using barcodes. We don't have any of these types of things that like databases and computer systems just love to have this type of structure. This is actually a really healthy, important thing that we as a team want to solve with you. It's like, what is the best and most appropriate structure for your company? You know? So sometimes it even just starts there when we're talking these stages, like one through three. Um, you know, one of the other big dimensions is, are you guys using your own warehouse or are you using a 3PL? One of the inherent assumptions is, oh yeah, well, we use a 3PL. They handle everything for us. And I say, great. How do you know that they haven't lost your product? How do you know that they're doing their job and you're on top of that piece over there? And they go, uh, yeah, we, we, don't, we don't have a system for that. You know, <laughs> it's like, all right, well, that's, that's its own like, you know, dog leg that we could go down. But kind of bringing it back to your question, when we talk about the warehouse, if you own your own warehouse, there's there's all sorts of different things. And it comes back to hit, saying, hey, do we have the right system in the first place? So case in point, we're working a lot with Locate Inventory right now. And uh, they have a really robust inventory management system for warehouses. And they break down, they can help you break down every like row, sh- shelf, aisle, bucket and track product all the way down to, you know, I, I stuck it in the fifth cubby of this drawer on this rack on that wall, if you need to do that kind of thing. So, so there's really just this huge breadth of like, where are you at today versus where do you need to get? And then all those other things you're talking about, like, how do you navigate through the warehouse? Do you, you know, like, is everyone going in the same direction? Do they cross directions? Like how many times do we have to go down this aisle while we skip over this product, like there's, like you said, we could be here for a week talking about all the things and the nuances you could get into with internal warehouse management. So, yeah, I, I think the important thing is, is for if you have an e-commerce business that's growing or you want to start one is you don't have to reinvent the wheel on that one. Correct. Um, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, there's like yeah. literally the history of commerce uh, is, is there. And that's like where companies like Clarinity want to help 
you know, like, look, it's rapidly growing businesses require that you learn a lot of stuff really fast. And some of this stuff is like, does not need to be reinvented mm-hmm. now, you know, so you can, you can lose on the PO, you can lose on the fulfillment too, because shipping the wrong stuff is terrible. Not shipping mm-hmm. it on time is terrible. Um, Amazon changed the expectation of just online buying altogether uh, with Prime and how quickly that it arrives. Um, now you say th- when you mentioned three PL, so third party logistics, and let's—I I think it's important that we give a little idea of what that is. So if you send your stuff to Amazon and they sell it, then that's third party logistics. And then there's other. Uh, so that means they're going to take a big piece. So people sometimes be like, oh, they take so much of my money. Yeah, but they're also doing stuff for you that you would have to hire people to do or do yourself. So you have to make that decision. There are other uh, fulfillment centers and other like, let's just put it this way. A lot of a lot of e-commerce businesses realize pretty quick and pretty early that that part of their business is not something they want to deal with. Mm-hmm. It's not something that they enjoy doing. And it might just be something that they're not. They just say, hey, you know what? We're never going to be great at this. So, I mean, do you it, it, it's not it, that decision's up to you as an e-commerce owner, but. I think that you subject yourself to a lot of liability and a lot of learning curve without, if you're not considering 3PL. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I mean, it, it, do you feel the same way or do you advise that people like run their own warehouse? Right. So I think, of course, it depends on your product, right? Like I, I've got one client right now that they sell really big home goods. They've thought a lot about going to a 3PL, but the big carriers, like these are just huge boxy like tables and stuff like that. That's a different scenario, right? But like, if I've got these little widgets that fit nicely in a USPS box and you can just get it out the door hundreds at a time, to me, that's a no brainer about like, yeah, like let's go talk to a 3PL. Notice that they are just as uh, diverse in their service offerings as all the cloud inventories and, and every other vendor relationship you may engage in. So there's there's still a, a right fit and a wrong fit for getting to the right 3PL, but they do unlock, <clears throat> sorry, they do unlock like a, a serious amount of potential that, for instance, you're thinking right now, like, I, I don't know, should I go to a 3PL? That's good. That's healthy. But three years from now, when you've established a great relationship with a 3PL that has a lot of, you know, scope and breadth, then you'll be having those really nuanced conversations about like, hey, you know what, we started over here on the East Coast, and we only used your East Coast warehouses. We're doing so well, three years later that we want to make sure that we have some of our product in your West Coast warehouses too, so we can offer better shipping rates, so we can offer shorter, you know, delivery times, whatever it may be you can really start to get into really complex operational discussions and still be money ahead if you're not running your own warehouse. But again, it all depends on your product and what's going to make the most sense for your company. So we want to help clients like really solve what is best for our company, you know? So I've, I've had a couple of people that said, well, I'm low volume as an e-commerce. So I just like to do the shipping myself. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I honestly think that's the worst because I'll use my own books as an example. I'd love to tell you, I sold like dozens or hundreds a day, but we don't. Now, if I fulfilled my own book orders, that means that every day I'd have to stop what I was doing and probably print one to three shipping labels. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And then I have to deal with that. And then I, you know, it's like, it's just the whole, and the thing is, is that what if you miss a day? Right. So then you miss a day. Now I got to do more of it. And if God forbid you go on vacation, right. You know, right. cause what are you going to do? Just turn it off. So the, the thing is, is the three, I think the three PL is a, a great leveraging tool early. Now, mm-hmm. if your volume gets to the point where you're like, Oh wow. Like you can look at that a little differently. And then as you mentioned, there are certain things that just aren't really made for that, um, that are a little more difficult and they're usually sizable. Um, sure. And, you know, I had talked to someone at one point is a drinking fountains, you know, and it was like, hmm. so the parts, the replacement parts would have been great for a three PL, but like the, the fountains themselves, because, well, here, here's the thing is you're at first thinking they're big. No, they contain Freon. So they're mm. the, the shipping, the shipping and the cooling stuff. It's, it's a different requirement. So it's like, it requires a whole different, yeah, there's, I mean, it's, you got to take a look at it now. And that's a perfect segue into intelligence, which is understanding your business, how it works and the stats that go with it. Um, you know, where do you want to, where do you want to start there? Good, sir. Cause we could go, that's the, once again, we're worthy of possibly its own series as well. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I think where I would start is something that I tell all the clients is that typically they come to me because, you know, they've been talking to their accountant and their accountant was able to hear, hey, you have an inventory problem, go talk to Clarinity. And so so that's probably typically how it comes through. And they say, well, I'm trying to get this sort of detail on my books, uh, what, or I'm still trying to understand X, Y, and Z. And, and typically I pause and I'll say, okay, where do you draw the line? between accounting and business intelligence. And everyone kind of draws this line in a different spot. But I know from from my experience, my typical answer is, hey, if we can summarize it and push it to your books and it ends up on the P&L or the balance sheet or your cash flow statement, that's accounting. And pretty much everything else, which is most of your information that you're going to care about as a business owner, that's what I classify as business intelligence. Okay. So like a a really simple case in point here is that um, an old way of doing accounting is that people would try and push, uh, they would try and push detail onto the books around revenue and cogs. So they would try to say for this product, I put it in chart of account 101 and this product is in 102 and 103, et cetera. This is an example where we say, hold on, we're going to draw that line in a different spot. And if you're trying to understand your profitability per product, that's an example of business intelligence, and that belongs 100% in your cloud inventory solution. That's where you should really get that because that will have a smarter cost algorithm and understanding how you're doing it. They're going to know all the other things about, oh, did you just chuck out a bunch of product? Did we need to change your costing? Do we need to add all the extra stuff on top? There's a whole bunch of stuff that they want to know. At the end of the day, the only thing that should really go to your to your books is we made $10 million dollars in revenue and 400,000 of that was cost of goods sold. That's the kind of thing that should end up in accounting. All those other details, is this moving fast? Did this do well this month? How's this doing versus that thing? That's all business intelligence. And that's that's where we say, yeah, cloud inventory is built for that. Like, let's use that instead, you know? And, and, that, and so much of the business intelligence and being stats driven is what we're going to talk about mm-hmm. in episode four. And just, you know, having, I mean, start the, some of that starting with the basic familiarity with technology, but learning how to use these. So 
the the product side of things is only one part of it because the same business intelligence affects everything. It's going to be driven by your marketing, especially digital stuff and creating data-driven strategies and understanding trends, obtaining insight, uh, tracking sales, uh, predicting revenue. And, you know, the thing is, is when it gets to inventory, there's a, there's another tricky thing. So, you know, there's, and this is where just talking about putting inventory in its own bucket, uh, you have, because it's different if you are just a reseller of a product. Like, let's just say you just sell toys and you buy them from Hasbro. That's different than if you make the toys for Hasbro or them making them. And the why, so what what you were just talking about was easily my least favorite class ever in school. I'm not sure if I ever successfully passed it. It It's called managerial accounting. And managerial accounting is, uh, you use the term widgets. Sure. They love widgets. For, Acme Corp yep. makes widgets. <laughs> yep. Oh, God. If you ever went yep. to business school for a day and took an accounting class, then you know that Acme Corp makes widgets. Yep. <laughs> what are they? No one knows. They're widgets. But, right. but that's a that's just a, a an anything. And, the, you know, the one thing that I did learn from a lot of that stuff is you can look at everything as a widget and your Acme Corp. So, mm-hmm. you know, managerial accounting, the reason it was tough was you you talk about getting a true cost of goods, especially in a manufacturing business, it's different because some people may assemble things faster than others, like all different. I mean, it's just goes on and on. And that's what I hated about it. I'm like, can't we just total them all up at the end and divide it by eight or whatever? And, you know, that's not technically how it goes. Now, business intelligence or BI is a really emerging field when it comes to a lot of different industries and businesses. It's, it's ripe for, uh, use with artificial intelligence and machine learning. Why? Because it's data, it's numbers, it's, it's, uh, uh, zeros and ones per se, but they're not technically sure. zeros and ones, but, sure. but computers and, and, and algorithms and machines, uh, they, they don't look at things with, uh, they're not prejudiced. And I say prejudiced in a way that well biased because as people, we, you know, I've talked to a lot of business owners. Well, uh, you know, one e-commerce example um, had a client that was positive that they were making money off shipping. And I said, man, that's a pretty big assumption considering the volume that you're doing because they were charging a set price per order. And they said, yeah, but we make money on it. And I was like, are you sure? Because I just looked at like one day worth of of shipping receipts and most of them were over $20. And you know, and, and the thing was, is they were like, yeah, I'm positive that we're making money. Well, not only were they not making money, they were losing like 50 grand a year. Mm-hmm. So you talk about just some, sometimes simple things. I was like, and they were using uh, uh, a popular online e-commerce platform. I was like, well, there's a setting in there. You can just collect a user uh, buyer zip code. Sure. And it'll calculate the shipping and, and, and with a, one little click of a button and a little bit of thought and some, and some business intelligence, yep. they save 50 grand a year. And so, but this is my point, like knowing where to hit it with the hammer. Yes. That's the whole thing. We talked about that in episode two as well, when it came to merchant fees and costs, like when you get to a specific volume like a, a different different consulting job had a client that was uh, doing a lot of PayPal. And that was just how they were. Pro- and and they were like, oh, they get us. They take 3% or whatever. I was like, at your volume, they probably would take 1.8, which was once again a setting. Mm-hmm. And and these are facepalm moments, people. And when I say facepalm, when you're like, you bury your face into your palm and you go, oh my God. Now here's the thing. You, they're not... 
they're not going to get PayPal's not going to go back and, and give you, they're not, Oh, you should have done that a long time ago. Let us send you all that money. But you know, the thing is, is 1% of a million dollars. Well, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. Yep. And you start to look and, 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 and businesses are, 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 become pro saving money is making money. And I, I, it's amazing how many people I talk to their revenue, revenue, revenue. I'm like, well, what about the other side of that? What about what you spend? Mm -hmm. And you know, that's that, that business intelligence is, is more accessible than it's ever been. Mm -hmm. And now if you don't know how to use it, call Conrad, you know, click, scroll down the show notes. There's people that'll show you how to do it. Uh, but it's really kind of the thing going forward and, and it's something you got to know about. Now with that, any type of, of, of BI or business intelligence, you are going to have some level of reporting and reporting in your business is going to have everything. Now that has everything to do with accounting has everything to do with inventory management and all that stuff tied together. So let's talk about clear entity and some of the problems that you frequently solve when it comes to reporting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, other than, other than, other than someone just not having any. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think a really simple example, like I was reading on, uh, on someone's post on LinkedIn they said, Hey, you know, for instance, if you're using Shopify, which is a great platform, they're going to have some level of reporting in there. But typically the reporting that's coming out of platforms like that isn't necessarily geared at like helping you make the best decision, it's really just kind of like there as like, hey, proving that they're doing their job, right? So for instance, mm -hmm. if you're on Shopify, yeah, you'll get some counts. Yeah, you get some revenue numbers. And those are good and valuable things. But if we really dig into those things, especially if you've got more than Shopify, all of a sudden you're host because you have reporting from like 10 different platforms. That that Shopify reporting is specific to Shopify. So, so case in point, if we get in a cloud inventory, one of the big things that it offers is that it's truly infrastructure for your business, and it's going to help you aggregate all of that information in one single location. So just having that alone is in and of itself a huge win. Plus, it's going to do all these other like really complex things that, yeah, on Shopify, you'll know your revenue and you know what you sold. But Shopify doesn't know how you purchase that and what your moving average cost or your FIFO cost or whatever cost you're trying to use. They don't know any of that. And they're like, good luck, Chuck. Go figure that out yourself. With cloud inventory, that's all centralized. You've put in your POs. They're tracking all your movements. They know your FIFO or your moving average cost. They're going to give you the most accurate per unit margin calculation that you can possibly have, you know. So I think that's just one of the like most simple examples of, hey, let's start there because you probably don't even have that yet. That's normal. This is part of the evolution and the growth process for, for you know, any business. So um, other things that we often run into are great. Now we've got our margins. Now I want to add, you know, segmentation of my products. I want to add metadata or whatever you want to call this. I want to be able to say, I want to group all my tables and see how my tables perform versus my chairs versus my beds, whatever, whatever going to help you make smarter decisions for your business. That's a great one. You know, uh, similarly, probably everyone has heard some variation of this, that if you sell a thousand products, it's probably your top 20%. So 200 products that do 80% of your revenue. Okay. 
Well, again, if you if you're selling across multiple sales channels, it's kind of hard to know which one is actually falls into your top twenty percent versus not. You know, so so we get some kinds of uh, some various segmentation details, some various like reporting in that way. Um, another simple one that we work clients through a lot is is like you were saying, BI is kind of its big. It's it's a huge thing, right? But what we're noticing is there are now subdivisions, even in the world of BI, that, for instance, forecasting is a totally different BI endeavor than simply recording what actually happened. So even if you just drew a line between we're trying to predict the future and this is what happened in the past, you can come up with different scenarios. So uh, case in point, people are always saying, well, we know we're doing pretty good on on sales, like you mentioned. And there's AI and other stuff out there that should be able to help us. What's one of the better tools to help? That's where we turn to tools like Inventory Planner that totally help people say, I've got multiple sales channels. How much should my next purchase order be for? How many actual units? Because right now you're probably doing it on a gut check or on some guy's spreadsheet buried in seven folders deep. And you're not really sure how to run that if that guy, you know, won the lottery or got hit by a bus, whatever your favorite flavor of that phrase is, you know. Um, so, so even that kind of a thing where we can say, hey, look, leave, leave past intelligence to one thing. But if you're really trying to be predictive, there are still better tools. There are better approaches. There are better statistical methodologies that we can employ to help you find find the right answer for your team, you know. So with me today, I've got Conrad Rowladder, and Conrad's the founder of Clarenity, who's also the sponsor of today's episode of Startup Hustle. And just as a reminder, Clarenity solves the most complex problems in e-commerce. It can help you with cloud-based inventory management, tech implements, implement, they can help you implement your tech. There you go. God, that's, a, that's a mouthful. Yeah. I start saying, saying too much of it. But hey, if I can't even say it, think about what it's going to be like to try to do it on your own. Now, it also helps with operations, optimization, and a whole lot of other things. I mean, overall, like there's a lot to be said. And, you know, before we move to the end of this episode, which I think is a, is a, is a great, so much of what we talked about is, you know, just defining what a cloud inventory system is, the importance of, of having some standard operating procedures related to purchase orders, your warehouse and fulfillment process, intelligence and reporting and that ties into a lot of the stuff that we talked about in uh in episode two with Brittany regarding uh accounting and you know this stuff all leads in now the the one thing and the the thing that i think is the the great place to finish this off is integrations and you know all this stuff in episode two Brittany stated you know if you have a if you are talking to an accountant that says that you shouldn't couldn't or won't be able to integrate your bank account or your credit cards with simple things like QuickBooks and you're talking to the wrong accountant, I got to say that, that that same rule applies when it comes to your e-commerce business. And, um, you know, I've, I've unwound a few knots. I mean, I've helped people that had uh, a web store and, their, mm-hmm. and, a, and a point of sale that weren't connected, like they had a <laughs> store and a web store and they were like managing two different systems and they weren't connected. And I like, I mean, just simple stuff like that and, and seeing the, the amount of, of pain and agony and, and work and expense that they went through to keep up with stuff like this. Now, this is the beauty of, of the cloud world. 
sure. and where company, if you don't know how to integrate your stuff, call, call Clarinity, they'll give you, give you some help. Now, as far as integrations go, we're in a very connected world. And uh, if you're going to be in the e-commerce business and part of what we're going to talk about in episode four as well is like, if you want to lead a team or grow a business, you're going to have to have some basic understanding of tech. And if you're, if you're one of those people that's like, I'm not a tech person, you're going to need to either become one and get a basic understanding of it. I tell people I don't write code. I write checks. It's okay. Cause I, but I understand tech, you know, and, and, and what it can do when it, when to buy, when to build, when to do a lot of different stuff. So when it comes to integrations, you know, where does, where mm -hmm. I, I'm assuming you agree with the utmost importance of, of embracing them. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. One of the big challenges that we're recognizing in cloud inventory, though, it, to call back to episode one here and the evolution is that, you know, what Brittany's saying in, in episode two is totally true. Like you should be able to integrate your bank to your to your um, to your general ledger, QuickBooks, zero, whatever your flavor is. That should be a no brainer. There's a lot of other stuff around accounting that integrates superbly well. However, when it comes to cloud inventory, they're still really generally learning about, hey, if we offer so many ways to solve the inventory problem, integrating to the to the general ledger offers some particular challenges. And so what we say is that, you know, if you if you're a real small business, yes, you should absolutely 100% use the default connector between cloud inventory X and your general ledger. Um if there's ways that you can segment it and say, th push things like just your purchase orders, you know, what Brittany was talking about with revenues and fees and all that, like that type of granularity is not handled very well with the cloud inventory today. So what we suggest is that, hey, once you cross a certain boundary, you know, the most successful clients we've ever seen are those who become real good friends with a software developer. Because these cloud inventory, they say, hey, look, you know what? We hear you guys. We understand that there's extra granularity we could do, but what we're going to do is we're going to offer you an open API, meaning you can bring in a, a your developer and with all your business rules, you can use that cloud inventory API and then you can build yourself a specific piece of software that will help you get over to the other side and do all the other things and database all the pieces. So this is one of those other things that we help people through quite a bit with our knowledge of, of software development is like, Hey, when do you use the out of the box solution versus Nope. If you're talking about needing to do X, Y, and Z, it just won't handle it. Be ready to talk with a software developer and, and make an investment, you know? So. Yeah. And some of that, you know, I, I too many people think that software just that uh, you we mentioned Shopify earlier and like mm -hmm. that's an e-commerce store framework like yes. and at some point they have to draw the line because yes. like as someone <laughs> all right so I went through this with as the founder of Gigabook like Gigabook's a, an appointment booking platform and Conrad you used it to book this this mm -hmm. recording now that said you know we can collect payments we can do a lot of stuff but i got to tell you i've been down that rabbit hole for almost 7 years now and there it there it doesn't end Sure. <laughs> so, you know, it's very difficult to find, you know, you're not going to, you're not, I, I've talked to people that are like, oh, my software only does 90% of what I need it to do. I'm like, man, that's a huge win. Awesome. They're like, what? Yeah. Shouldn't it do everything? I'm like 90%, like, congratulations. Yes. Like sometimes the reaction I've given to people on that is not what they're expecting because they think it should do it all. Now that's mm -hmm. where 
the world of integration comes in. And I, you know, I remember just, it was, uh, uh, so Zapier or Zapier, however you want to say it, is a very is a very common t- commonly used tool to integrate simple simple stuff like your Google Sheets with something else. And now, you know there. And I remember when when Zapier still had three hundred integrations, um, which is a ton still. And now they have probably twenty times more of that. But but with that, there's an unlimited number of things that need to connect to an unlimited number of other things. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, is as software developers and, and founders and entrepreneurs, you can't build an integration for everything. So there are some tools out there that can help with that. And you know, we run into that at Gigabook. People are like, they're like, do you integrate with this? And you want to be like, not only do we not integrate with it, we've never heard of it. Sure. And you know, that's, I mean, and that's, and that's common, but you know, so an API is, you know, that's that's an application programming interface. Thank and you. basically, in layman's terms, that is a drawbridge in and out of your system that enables access for data to flow from here to there. And mm-hmm. um, that that's that it can be tricky. Um, and that's that's in some of that. If you don't have just you have some things that are like, hey, click here to connect. OK, those are what they are. But. If your business becomes a lot more sophisticated and needs to do a little bit more, um, like you mentioned, there there are some some solutions. And and sometimes you know you talk about, oh my God, I can't afford that. You you might be able to. You might be surprised because a lot of times once you uh, you know some stuff. I, I like to say software is never done, right? Um, but right. in some cases, little 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 connectors and pieces like that. Um, someone that knows what they're doing can make those happen, and and they don't require like multi-million dollar investors and once again back back to knowing where to hit it with the hammer so find (laughs) someone that knows where to hit it with the hammer now conrad since you happen to be the founder of clear entity and once again thank you for sponsoring the show if you want to learn more about what conrad and his business do scroll down click the link in the show notes can help you with a lot of stuff now we end episodes when we do founder episodes we have the founder freestyle so i don't want you to miss out on that my friend okay um so it, as, as a founder sure. of a business, what's the best advice that you can give any founder of e-commerce, of an e-commerce business? Mm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I think there's a couple of different routes that I could go down here, but the number one is that recognizing if you're crazy enough to start a business like me and so many others, <laughs> that it's going to be a wild ride. And the the number one trait that I've seen amongst any successful entrepreneur is tenacity. You've got to be able to just stick with it and ride out the highs and the lows because there's going to be some high highs. There's going to be some low lows. (laughs) And there's going to be a lot of great stuff in the middle too, you know? So, so just like take it one day at a time. And, and even if you're looking to take over the world and, and have the biggest business ever, you got to start small and you got to prove it every single day and you just got to come to work and, and be ready to work every single day. You know? Um, well, if you listen to startup hustle, you know, we're all about talking about the ups and downs and yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of them and it's, uh, it, you know, and I'll kind of parlay up what you said there. Cause uh, you know, one point, you know, COVID threw everyone a curveball, and I'm kind of over talking about the whole thing because we're all aware of we're all kind of in the same thing. But at one point, my wife was like, you seem to be handling the stress really well. I was like, I've been an entrepreneur for well over a uh, for a long time. 
And I, I've just been, I just know that whether it's a pandemic, if it's not that it, it's always something, you know, and I, we say, we say that a lot around our office. It's like, ah, oh, it's always gotta be something. And it always will be. And, you know, you want to try to mitigate certain things and, you know, I, I, I uh, check out the startup hustle chat on Facebook because we, I actually, uh, posted a, a, a image the other day that said, you know, what is uh, what's the best advice you could give to an entrepreneur? And my advice was similar to yours. Be aware that things are going to change, that they're going to go up and down. They'll take longer. They'll cost more. Yep. Um, you know, when you business school wants to teach you that a it goes A to B to D to C to E to F to G. Yeah, that's never the way it works. Never, never in the history of business has anything gone according to plan. And at least that's my opinion on it. I did another poll in the startup hustle chat about that. I said, what percentage of your business plan, uh, went, you know, went according to plan and, uh, you know, hang on, I'll actually find the stats on that. Cause sure. I think that over 50% of those that voted had claimed that they got, uh, that one to 33%. That's like, correct. think about that. Like, yeah. and these are people that this is your community, people. This is like <laughs> listeners just like you that were commenting on that poll. So, all right, here we go. What was, uh, what was the hardest part when you started your business? Uh, 26 votes for figuring out what the hell you were doing. <laughs> 13 votes for finding capital. Uh, nine votes for finding your first customer was the mm -hmm. hardest. And then one vote for finding the courage to do it. Now, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you think about that and, and, you know, as far as the business plan, this is even worse. So I asked what, what, how much of your original business plan is accurate? Sure. 28 votes for one to 33%, 14 <laughs> votes for 71 to 90. And I want to challenge wow. all those people. That's crazy. Prove it. Yeah. yeah I, I just want to comment with you, prove it. Uh, 11 votes for 34 to 70. Now I can buy that. Two sure. votes for zero percent, <laughs> and no votes for ninety percent or higher. So, that sounds like, right. Yeah. I mean, that's the, and we love quoting Mike Tyson. Everyone had a plan until they got punched in the face. Yep. So, yeah. you know, with that, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here because I realize I got a lot of stuff to do. I got to get my shit together. So I'll see you next time, man. Love it. Thanks, Matt. Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.